What's up? This is Mike Fenoya from Amigos, and Amigos Podcast is in the loop, the legion of Osiris Podcasts. Osiris is creating a community that connects people like you with podcasts and live experiences about artists and topics you love. Check out OsirisPod.com and stay in the loop. Yo, what's up? Welcome back, amigos. Mike Fenoy on the Osiris Podcast Network, uh, home to so many great podcasts. Go over to Osiris Network and check it all out at OsirisPod.com. Hope everybody's doing good. I'm coming to you from uh, the Borgata in Atlantic City doing a week of shows here uh, before I head out on the Impractical Joker cruise. Very excited about it. It's going to be a blast. Incredible lineup. A lot of friends going to hang out with some of the best fans in the world. It's going to be great. Um, but let's get the business out of the way. MikeFenoya.com for comedy dates. Got a bunch of stuff coming up. I'm going to be in Denver at the end of February. I'm going to be in L.A. in April. I'm going to be out on the road in March. A bunch of shit in New York in March. Uh, going on the road with Adam Carolla for a little bit. Going to be back out on the road with the Jokers this summer. It's going to be fun. And then I'm going to try to squeeze about seven or eight fish shows in there in the mix. I think I'm going to do Tahoe, Hershey, AC, and Dix. But we'll see what happens. Maybe I'll do the whole run. We'll see. Um, at M-I-K-E-F-I-N-O-I-A on Twitter and Instagram. At A-M-I-G-O-S-P-O-D on Twitter and Instagram. And the Amigos Podcast Discussion Group. And uh, check out all the great pods that are out there Um on Osiris, my boy Mike Shields podcast uh, across the margin, and welcome to the party, pal, and all the other great stuff that's on the network. So, as you know, if you've been listening regularly, uh, I've been bringing you uh, the Still Chasing sessions. These are the interviews that I did over the course of the summer of 2019 to build up to the project Still Chasing. Do you not know what that is? Well, here is a trailer for the project. Hey, what's up? This is Mike Fenoya. I'm a stand-up comedian, producer for the TV show Impractical Jokers, and host of the podcast Amigos. I'm also helplessly addicted to the band Fish. For over half of my life, I've been freakishly obsessed with this band, the community, and the endless moments they've provided us. Dude, they're kind of like an inspirational rock band. Now, at 40 years old, I'm taking a look back at over two decades of obsession to find out what drives this addiction, what makes them so special, and why I happily continue to make this band a priority over family, bills, and obligations. And before you judge me, take a look at yourself. You'd skip work for a fantasy draft or lie to your grandmother for a Walking Dead marathon, so back off. My thing just happens to be live music, freaking out under the lights with 20,000 of my best friends, jumping and celebrating, criticizing, traveling, planning, and partying. I just saw um, I just saw a woman looking for a kid named Nugget. Nugget! Still Chasing is a podcast series hosted by myself and my friend, author and podcaster Michael Shields. Together, we dig through our old college trunk and share our perspective on what initially drew us in 
what keeps us intrigued and continues to stoke the fire. Just was, as you noted, so compelling that we began to organize our lives around it. Through personal interviews with pivotal members of the community, friends, and forefathers, we not only take a look at ourselves, but we dive into the philosophy and beauty of fanaticism. For whatever reason, fish and uh, the way that they play, the way they mix up their shows, uh, was a perfect sort of field to plant uh, a lot of dreams in. Still Chasing provides a first-person investigation into the mind of a fanatical fan. It features hilarious behind-the-scenes stories about the band. Trey pulled up to a tent and got out and opened the zipper of the tent and put his head in and said, Festival's canceled! Go home! (laughs) Where a love of a band takes you places you never imagined. And I headed up there with a bunch of friends and I got the chance to meet and befriend author, counterculture icon, Mary Prankster, Ken Kesey. Learn why we just can't stop chasing. I want to keep coming back because I'm feeling a pure sense of happiness and bliss and and nothing can take it from me. Still Chasing is brought to you by Osiris and is available January 15th wherever podcasts can be heard. So I did this project. I'm excited about it. It's out. It's been out for a couple of weeks. Um, I'm getting great feedback. Thank you, everybody who listened. Uh, thank you, everybody who, um, you know, agreed to talk with me. And I'm bringing you another really incredible interview today with uh, Andy Bernstein. Andy is the co-author, um, co-curator of The Farmer's Almanac, which starting out as a fan pre-big internet shit, you know, that was the way you found stuff out. And uh, he's also one of the co-founders of the extremely pivotal and all-important, I don't even know what the word is, priceless uh, headcount. I mean, he's out, he's doing the Lord's work. And uh, I'm so happy to chat with him. This is, I've gotten to know Andy. We talked a couple times before. He was one of the first guests on Amigos. And uh, we've stayed buddies and we've stayed in touch and he's a great dude. And it was uh, the minute I had this project in mind and I was thinking about who do I interview, who do I talk to, he was like first on the list. So um, I told him what we were you know, going to be talking about, you know, the rabbit obsession with music and especially fish. And he's been doing it since 93. And it was uh, he was like, absolutely, let's talk. So here's the fun thing about doing these interviews. While I was doing them, I was trying to you know, it's the summertime. It was in the middle of, you know, tour and whatever else and life. And we just caught up on the phone. I believe he was like, I forget. He was not in New York. I was not in New York. So we were doing it over the phone. You can hear (laughs) a little behind the scenes. My day job is writing for inside jokes for impractical jokers where uh, the little fact bubbles that pop up that tell you about all the cool stuff that happened on set that day and what lines didn't get used and all that. You can find that on uh, true TV. That's my TV show. Um, <clears throat> I, my dog Maggie, I was uh, on doggy duty and we did this interview over Skype and I did it through the speaker and the microphone on my laptop. And uh, you could hear Maggie dropping her bone she's a funny dog because like i think that she thinks she's bigger than she is but she drops her bone 
and like it shocks her and she jumps away like who dropped that it's like she plays with herself it's pretty incredible to watch but she'll like pick something up drop it freak out pick it up drop it freak out so she was doing that throughout like the middle of the interview so if you hear shit hitting the ground in the back um that's maggie playing with her toy so uh visualize but you know the thing that was cool about talking with andy is it's like talking to three different people because he curated and compiled a book that everybody needed when we needed it you know like farmer's almanac was so cool and uh i read it cover to cover 10 million times i used to memorize set lists we would quiz each other um he's also a huge fan and then he's also a guy who somehow figures out a way to like stay bipartisan and like non-denominational or whatever you want to call it but like sets out to lead the pack in signing up and registering new voters. I mean, it really is like the most important thing we could possibly do right now. And I support headcount 10 million percent and I love what they're doing and I'm proud of them and I'm proud to be a buddy with Andy and I'm proud to bring you this episode. So enjoy the interview. Uh, Thank you again. Go check out still chasing and check out all the great podcasts on Osiris and uh, catch you soon. See you uh, after the cruise. Peace. You have been involved with the fish scene uh, in, in a lot of different facets, uh, going back to the Farmer's Almanac, all the way up to the uh, one of the founders of Headcount. Yeah, so I got, I guess, uh, 27 years in the fish world and 15 doing Headcount. Going on an endeavor like the Farmer's Almanac and delivering resources to fans all around the country and the world probably pre-internet um that endeavor was met obviously with open arms by fans can you share any memories or experiences of fans um you know thanking you or being so psyched for what you brought with the farmer's almanac oh yeah that was really the uh what kind of drove it was um this constant uh affirmation that we got from people read it and and the background is so we started in 1995 and at the time the web was not something that most people were accessing you had um the um you had fish message boards you had fishnet but you you know you had to be kind of techie to be in that world and there were a lot more fans who you know, other than reading a few articles and what you learned from word of mouth, you didn't know the history of the band. It was hard to know the whole song catalog. I mean, you basically learned about fish from analog tapes. And so we set out to kind of create a a one-stop source of information, but also really give it the flavor of fish fans. So stories and humor and uh, anecdotes and all these things that are part of the fish fan experience. The fish fan experience is not just stats and set lists, but it's, it's going to a show with your friends and having a laugh or having a mind opening experience or a mind altering experience. And all of those things were featured in the book. And when we started, it was really ragtag. It was less than a hundred pages. It had typos. It was black and white and stapled together. But pretty quickly, we saw the market for it was really big, and we it made it color and added photos and actually had the spell check and little things like that so that it was more professional. And in the end, we did six volumes, sold about 70,000 copies. And that 
that kind of feedback loop among fans was really incredible. And, and people would come up to us at shows all the time and literally tell us that we had changed their lives. And I don't think it was an exaggeration because it was fish information and knowing the background behind songs and knowing which songs are rare and which ones weren't. That's such a part of the fan experience. And we know that when you enhance someone's fish experience, you, you are enhancing their lives. And we, and we heard this all the time. Like, we couldn't go anywhere in the, in the fish setting without having that feedback. And it was incredible. And it, it, uh, to this day, I don't think I've ever done anything that really connected with people in that way where um, a complete stranger would walk up to you and tell you they've you've changed their lives. I'm, I'm one of those, uh, I mean, we're not strangers, but I'm one of those whose life, life was changed. And I think that reaching out to some of the folks who wrote in your, you know, that contributed stories, I became friends with some of those people. And uh, it was really wonderful to have that. What is it about our experience? You try to explain fish to someone who doesn't get it. And it's, it's a hard thing to try to put into words. Have you ever taken a crack at it? You know, I have, and it's exactly what we're talking about here. I said the definition of a fish fan is you can say, fish changed my life. And if you can't say that, you might be a fish appreciator. But (laughs) if you're a fan, that's like an unquestionable thing. Like, of course, fish changed your life. It changed how you hear music. It changed who you're friends with. It changed how you spend the summer. And that's the definition of truly being a fish fan. And uh, it's always funny when you meet somebody who is kind of on the outside. They're like, yeah, I'm a fish fan. I, I've been to five shows. And you're like, oh, that's, that's, that's cute. I hope you had a good time. <laughs> it's um, adorable. Yeah. Um, and we're all, we've all gotten so old now and been doing this for so long that, that we get snobby that even a pretty high number, you know, the 20 shows, 30 shows, you're like, all right, you're coming along. But it's, you know, we, we're we surround ourselves by people who are in triple digits and and just have really invested their adult lives into this experience. And it's, it's, you know, if you are in the fish community, that is, that's just life, you know, that's just the people, you know, and, and that's, that's how we interact with our band. It's a lifestyle. It's a life choice. And, um, and one that pays a lot of dividends. And we're all feeling that now in 3.0 with, you know, with, just you know, just the last few months, and going to see Trey's documentary, or seeing Ghost of the Forest in the fall, or you know, last year uh, Halloween, and all of these things. Like it, it's just a gift that keeps on giving, and really getting better. And um, I think the summer tour was incredible, and I had some real high moments where I was feeling more connected to the music, honestly, that I had in years. I- and. It's happening to a lot of us, I think. I, I'm I'm right there with you, and I'm getting goosebumps even hearing you talk about it because there were a lot of moments of, uh, you know, a big lump in my throat and, and tears in my eyes, um, just turning to my to the side and watching everybody in this tumultuous time we're in, just releasing and and jumping for joy and smiling and the lights shining on them for a moment. And, and just being in that collective vibe and experience, it really, I feel like we need it almost now more than ever. It's certainly quite 
uh, an alternative to turning on the news. And I think that there's some fish songs that really kind of capture where we are or where we want to be. And I, I think of um, certainly Blaze On is, is sort of the, I think the lyrics of Blaze On kind of capture where some of our generation and this generation is, where we're just like shaking our heads at the world and just being like, well, screw this. I'm going to have a good time. Yeah. You know, I'm going to blaze on. And, um, and when uh, the, the song more, uh, somebody, um, put to Kelly Morris, put together an amazing video to more that was like news clips. And so I, I think that the, the fish fish does create some soundtrack to these times. Yeah. And the, in different ways and sort of an alternative way kind of and you know i hope that the fish scene still is turned on politically and recognize that we're um our values need to be reflected in society the the positive ends of our values as a community and we have a lot to offer as a community and um and that's where headcount comes in is sort of trying to you know i like to say headcount we put the party in participation we're we're a fun group and we come from a world of fun and we come from a world of escape and recognize that a a music festival, a lot of your experience is going to be escaping and turning off from that uh, just clamor of news and whatnot. But we all still have a role to play and we, we don't want to separate ourselves so much that we lose sight of that. And uh, the, the festival community as a whole, which really stemmed a lot from the jam scene, but now is way beyond that. God, if everybody who goes to festivals just channels some of those values and that kind of we're in it together feeling and expresses that by voting, expresses that by being you know socially responsible, well, we really do drive the world forward. And that's, that's sort of the balancing act that Headcount plays where you know we come from a world that is... I'm very much about having fun and very much about kind of tuning out a lot of things, but we also want people to tune in a lot of things. Right, absolutely. And for the layperson, the the two lot the two line uh, synopsis of 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 headcount would be how would you put it? Well, we register voters at concerts and work with musicians to encourage civic participation, and that can be voting. That can be. Uh, being active in your community. We organize things in the music world like Participation Row, which is a kind of activism, shakedown street kind of thing. And we have volunteers all over the country, 30,000 volunteers, and um, all working toward this goal of just uh, making sure that the music community is represented at the polls and, and in the world. What I found to be amazing is the growth of headcount across genre. And now, I mean, I'll let you speak to it, but it grew from the jam scene because that was the scene that you personally were involved with, correct? Yeah, and we always set out to go beyond that. And uh, for me, a lot of the model was Bonnaroo and Superfly, the founders of Bonnaroo. They started with a festival that was very jam-centric, Lysper Panic, Tranastasia, like jam bands up and down, and within a few years had branched out and now you wouldn't recognize the Bonnaroo lineup other than fish as a headliner as being a a jam thing at all. And they reached the largest possible audience and took the kind of jam band ethos and aesthetic and brought it to a much 
broader world and musical palette. And that's really what Headcount did. And we pretty quickly, we were working, you know, with Pearl Jam and John Mayer in 2008 and um, Kings of Leon and, and then got into, you know, the last few years, really more of the pop space. We've been out with Ariana Grande all year, Billie Eilish and Panic at the Disco. And we do really well with those bands. I mean, that's where the, the new voter is, the 18 to 24 year old. Um, you know, the Fish fan base, the Dave Matthews fan base has gotten a lot older. And we clearly needed to go where young people are. And so that's been incredibly fruitful. And um, it's, uh, it's funny, I joke that I'm completely unqualified to run a pop music organization. <laughs> I don't know any of this music at all. Um, but luckily, I'm surrounded by people who get it and are younger and um, really understand that those communities and we've we've been embraced. I, I, I just had a, a vision of you with uh, cat ears and, and, and short shorts and I thought, no, Jesus, what, how do I, I how do I vote yeah. against that? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, when you approach artists with this concept, let's go back to, let's say, Fish. Um, can you recall any, any interactions with the band themselves about head count and what their reactions were? Oh, yeah. I mean, many. And it goes back to 2004 when we started. Uh, in 2004 at Bonnaroo, we filmed public service announcements that ended up airing on network TV. And Trey was in them, as were The Dead and Dave Matthews. And, um, you know, we've had many interactions with Trey in particular over the years, as well as Fishman and Mike. I've all been very supportive. Paige is kind of like, we was never like pushed hard for Paige because he sort of is, he just kind of stays out of those things and we respect that. And as a Fish fan and someone who wrote a book about Fish, I feel like I have a pretty good understanding of the vibe of the individual band members and really try to meet them where they are. Yeah. And, um, you know, Trey himself is very, very private about his politics and um, really stays away from anything that is not uniting. And this is, I'm paraphrasing things he said many times, but one of the things that he recognizes that voting is something that everyone can do, and the idea of democracy is not dividing; it is uniting. Yes. And um, you know, whereas Fishman is obviously very, very political, and uh, we just got an invite from Breyer, his wife, to come to the Union Town Fair, which is an agricultural fair in his hometown that they're very involved with, and we're going to be registering voters there which is exciting as That's a guest of the Fishmans. Yeah. So there's a lot of different ways. And we found with Fish over the years, we really want to, we don't apply the standard headcount playbook to Fish. Um, it, we, we try to do creative things. So with, um, with like Baker's Dozen, we did a, a really fun uh, photo booth at every MSG show. And we had like actually cutouts of Fishman and Gordon um, holding up signs that say vote local. And um, people could take pictures with the cutouts. We had a, uh, a vacuum cleaner cutout and all these things that were very fish. And then um, we, uh, uh, recent years, we did a, um, a, a box of tea with celestial seasonings where the um, art on the tea was done by Pollock and it was uh, ginseng Sullivan tea and kind of had the, the lyrics of ginseng Sullivan represented in the art and gave those out at Dick's. So we, we've we've tried to really give back to the fish community and do fun things, and that's that's one thing we know about the fish world. And it is an older crowd at this point. It's a crowd where 
most of the fans are registered or never will be. Um, so we really try to connect on a community level with the fish scene and still um, a ton of our volunteers are fish fans and, and a ton aren't. And um, that's really cool. And a lot of times that through headcount, there are friendships made between fish fans and non-fish fans and very lasting friendships. So we kind of bridge the gap. We have a lot of new people who have come in through Ariana Grande and Billie Eilish. And over time, a lot of those kids, one, are going to get turned on to fish from their friends and headcount who are fish fans. And um, over time, that just the lines blur. And there are many stories of people getting turned on to jam bands that they never thought they'd listen to because all their friends and headcount listen to them. Yeah, and I, you know, it's it, you mentioned that, and I, I saw a retweet, I believe, someone in that I follow in our community, in the fish community, was following someone, it tied back to Ariana Grande tweeting about how, what was there, over a million new registered voters on her tour? Was that the number, or am I overshooting? Yeah, that, that's overshooting by a wide margin. But, 10 million? Uh, yeah. No, there weren't any numbers or, that were like that. But we did, Ariana's tour was our, our best tour in many years. Um, and it's continuing into the fall. And she was out talking about it on social media. And it was just very cool, I think, for our community, the fish and jam community, to see somebody so far outside of our scene celebrating something that came from our scene. Yeah, it's wonderful. And it's just such a, I mean, I think that, you know, the social consciousness of things aren't right transcends what type of music is on, on your playlist. Yeah, certainly. And, and I think that right now people are very energized politically. And last year, the midterm elections had the highest turnout in 100 years for midterms. And the, um, the youth voter turnout, young voter turnout was up 47%. So that's, you know, that's across every type of voter, every political party, every um, taste in music, every geography. So, you know, what we're seeing is is much bigger than ourselves. And we're just excited that we're playing a big part in, in furthering that. Um, when you think about the community that we come from and how you can find a table if you're sober and it's the middle of a show and you're feeling maybe that you're, you know, need a little bit of support or there's a table that supports, um, local charities. Uh, there's water wheel, there's headcount. What do you think it says about our scene as a whole where the band is on stage? Yes, but that's only 50% of the experience. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's give credit where credit's due to the grateful dead. Um, you know, it's probably started with Wharf Rats and the Grateful Dead. And um, I have a great memory in 1992, I believe. Um, Steve Miller was opening for the Dead, and he was supporting a rainforest project. And they found people to volunteer and hand out these little rainforest action kits and get free Grateful Dead tickets. And so I did it at a couple shows, and I remember like feeling like honestly i kicked ass at it i had a little like funny rap with it and i handed out every single one of those things and got my free grateful dead tickets and i didn't realize then that this was sort of a, a model that uh yeah. i would build a uh, a career around um so i think uh, you know as with many things in the fish and jam world it, it started with the grateful dead 
And I also would give a lot of credit to artists and leaders outside of the jam scene. I mean, the first artist to have a real like kind of village of nonprofits at her shows was Bonnie Raitt. And um, we started seeing um, an organization called Reverb that was started by Adam Gardner of Guster, started setting up little villages and greening and, and water bottle uh, and reusable water bottle and, and free water stations at concerts. And uh, meanwhile, we kind of all started around the same time. And then Headcount, we got scale really fast. Like in, in the first year of Headcount, I'm sure we worked with 40 or 50 different bands, mostly jam bands, but a few that weren't. And then by 2008 and 2012, we had you know, doubled or tripled that. And it was every kind of genre of music. And if you look down the list of bands, if you, if you visit headcount.org and you check out our partners page, you're going to see the name of pretty much every jam band, but you're also going to see dozens and dozens and dozens of names that are from every other kind of music and indie rock and pop and some hip hop. And uh, we do really well in the punk space, uh, classic rock, all of it. So I don't think that this is something that's necessarily unique to our scene. I think that music as a whole is matured and the music industry is waking up to the need to have activism and social consciousness at concerts. And there's still a long way to go. Like if you're out on, if you're at a major amphitheater tour, most of the tours still don't have anything. So, uh, or maybe head counts, the only thing they man they have, because we have that big footprint, but my vision is that someday the norm will be that if you are at any major concert, there's going to be several nonprofits having really good activations that are worthwhile and have impact, and that every band is going to be in some way investing in the causes they believe in. And we're not there yet, but I, I think we're definitely getting there. Absolutely, and and it's it's amazing. And with te- with technology, keep the pr- the progression of technology and the ability to maybe carry around a tablet. Instead of a clipboard or who knows what may happen soon. You know, it could be the push of a button. Yeah, I'm still waiting for when you can, like, just uh, close your eyes like uh, like a genie and everything will happen. But we're, we're not there yet. <laughs> um, you know what else we've talked about in the past, you and I, is that it's not any type of pressure to vote any side. It's just register. Absolutely. And I feel very strongly about that. And, and, um, you know, somebody came up to me, a musician came up to me last weekend and said, with all that's going on, why don't you just forget all that and go partisan? And I said, well, for one thing, they have headcount would have to do that without me because I have no interest in doing that. Um, but also like, I, I just don't think the world needs another entity telling people what to think. There's, plenty of opportunities to make your decisions and plenty of people trying to point you in one direction or another. We don't add anything to the world by saying that we know more than somebody else. And I also think that one of the real pains of society right now is this feeling that, you know, what I know and believe is right and everybody else is wrong. And I I think on the, the left, there's, you know, people are really emboldened because they feel so strongly about what Donald Trump is doing. And sometimes it gets away from some really core values that I think are important, which is respecting other people's opinions and recognizing that everybody has a different life experience and everybody has a different perspective. And those perspectives are valuable and valid. And 
Uh, a lot of people, you know, you see people post on the Facebook page, if you're a Donald Trump fan, I want to unfriend you, or if you're a Donald Trump fan, you're a racist. And I personally am really, really repelled by that. Like, I just don't think there's anything productive about that kind of thinking. I don't think it wins anybody elections. I don't think it wins anybody friends, and I don't think it makes the world better. And so I really, really believe in the nonpartisan aspect, and I believe that we're a much more effective organization and doors open for us because we are nonpartisan and we are truly nonpartisan. We, we really, really do take that part very seriously, and the people on the staff and at the core of Headcount really believe in that as a very, very vital part of our mission and who we are. And I love that, and I echo that sentiment when it comes to you know my world of stand-up comedy where a long time ago I heard a Frank Zappa quote where he was being interviewed in Europe, and he said, I'm not sure what's going on here, but we have a big problem with apathy in America. And it seems to me that we're all fighting apathy. We all want people to at least just care enough to, whichever side it is, just act and just be a part of the future of of our country and our freedom. Yeah, that's exactly it. And I think our, our founder, co-founder, Mark Brownstein of the Disco Biscuits, that's something he has talked about a lot, very eloquently. And especially when we started in 2004, coming out of the shadow of 2000. So 1996 and 2000 had the lowest turnout for presidential elections ever. And then the election in 2000 gets decided by barely 500 votes. And we end up with a... Uh, a presidency that was pretty far to the right and led us into a war. And so it was in that shadow that Headcount was born and basically saying, hey, you know, you got to have an opinion on this one way or the other. And if our scene comes out, um, you know, Hunter S. Thompson had a quote and he said, if every deadhead in Florida had voted, the world would be a different place. And that so was true. a very, yeah, you know, it was a very, it was a rallying cry. It was like, all right, well, let's make sure every deadhead in Florida votes. And regardless of who they vote for, we know that if our scene comes out, the world is going to bend ever so slightly toward our values. And our values are not one monolithic thing, it's, but a lot of it is about freedom, it is about independence, but it's also about love thy neighbor. And when you know Mickey Hart comes out at the end of Fairly Well and his one words of wisdom at the end of The Grateful Dead as we know it is, be kind. Well, that really, really fits with why Headcount exists, that we want to take some of these very positive values that live in the music world and make sure they're reflected in broader society. And that's not a partisan idea, but it certainly plays into, you know, values and ethos and all the things that are the undercurrent of different political philosophies. And um, so, you know, I, I, I just feel like our scene has been a sort of North Star and guiding light for us where, I don't know, call me silly, but I, I really do believe in our scene. I really believe in the jam band scene. I really love it. I love being around it. I've chosen it as, you know, these are the people I want to be around and the places I want to be around. And, you know, with Headcount, we're able to take a little bit of the positivity of that scene and spread it much further and for a very specific purpose. Now, for anyone who's listening who wants to become involved and help, how can they? 
Well, go to our website, headcount.org. Volunteering is really easy. Uh, you fill out a little profile, and then you can pick events. And we are constantly looking for new volunteers. There's many, many opportunities. We're doing more and more events, both music and community events. And then if somebody's really interested, they have the opportunity to become a team leader. We have about, I think, uh, about 175 people like that right now who they have training and voter registration. They have a kit with all the materials, and they're kind of running the show at local concerts. And then for people who really excel at that, we send them on the road. So this year we had three people out on Dead & Company tour. We had somebody on a tour bus uh, on the Ariana Grande tour. We had somebody on the Panic at the Disco tour. Um, we'll probably have another few coming up and a bunch next year. So there's there's a lot of opportunities with Headcount. Um, shout out to people like Katrina and Wit and our, our core people who've been hitting the road for a few years and met hundreds of people along the way and uh, spread what we're about. And there's always going to be those opportunities. We have a guy named Mike Rutz who has toured with Headcount now for 15 years. He started with Dave Matthews, then went and did Jack Johnson, then did Fish, and then this year did Dead & Company. So uh, he's a college professor. That's what he does in his wow. So, um, and, and if you meet him, you wouldn't think he's a college professor. You'd think he's a deadhead. Uh, but um, he's both. And so those opportunities really exist in Headcount. And so, you know, I invite anybody to go to headcount.org, check it out, sign up as a volunteer. Uh, when you sign up, it'll ask you if you're interested in leadership positions. And if you are, you'll get a, another email at some point and kind of go further along that track. But you can also just volunteer once and see if you like it. And I'm not going to lie, it's hard work. Registering voters is hard. You deal with a lot of rejection. It's hot out there. It might be raining. But... We've had, you know, literally thousands of people found it to be the most rewarding work. And one of our volunteers came up with a hashtag, said, my volunteer job pays the most. Oh, and, yeah. and that hashtag has been used again and again. And we never, as an organization, we never push that hashtag because that's really from our volunteers. And it's for them to say, not for us to say, but it's really touching and really meaningful to see that hashtag get used again and again over the years and see their relationships that form and the, the good feeling and the just incredible people who've gotten involved and we've played a role in, in bringing their best qualities out as leaders and as organizers and they've given so much back and uh you know i'm thinking about some of those people i'm thinking about jared wotring in, in ohio and marjorie ellis who's out in denver right now and i could go on and on and on because it's literally hundreds and hundreds of people and these are just names that are popping into my head um, and uh, it, it means a lot. It means a lot to me personally that I know just what a positive impact they've had on the organization, and I like to think we've had on them, and, and it's it's dozens and dozens or hundreds of people uh, who've had that experience and, and given so much of themselves. Yes. So you saw your first Fish concert, uh, what year? 1992, a horde show at Jones Beach. And how long were you listening to them before them? Barely. I, I I really didn't know what Fish sounded like. I went because I liked Blues Traveler and the Spin Doctors. <laughs> yeah. um, this is right when those bands were blowing up. And um, it was later that summer, I was on a camping trip and somebody put in Junta and I started listening to Esther. And Esther is a song that is a lot of people's, in that era, a lot of people's first Fish song because it's just so captivating and so 
unique and different. And um, so that really got me into it. And then um, I think uh, I think I got a couple tapes that fall, but it wasn't really until early February '93 um, that Fish did a big tour, and I went to a, one of the first shows on it. It was in Providence. They debuted Sample in a Jar. Mm-hmm. So every time I hear Sample in a Jar, I think this song is exactly as old as my real fish fandom. Um, <laughs> and that first show, man, I think my first show is so underrated. It was um, uh, it's February 3rd or 2nd in Providence, 93. It had, uh, well, um, it had a lengthwise that was like reggae version. Really? And, uh, and then a mic's groove with trampolines and um dry ice so the whole the whole um stage was just smoke and you could just see mike and trey like popping out over the smoke and then on top of that uh was a strobe light and this is something that that corroded doesn't really do anymore he did it a few times that year but so with the strobe light you basically don't really see them jumping you just sort of see them in the air at different moments in different positions and it was it was the trippiest thing I ever done seen. Like it was like, whoa! And I was so hooked at that moment. I mean, so hooked. And everything about that first show was was such a journey. Right up to the acapella at the end, and everybody shouting at each other to shut up because it was it was not amplified. The mics were off. That's what they used to do in the smaller venues. This was in a theater. Yep. And um, man, like I walked out of there, and I was so in like so in like i i like ran out and bought all the albums and immediately started planning going on summer tour and immediately bought tickets to all the the rest of the shows on the tour i could attend and it was um you know it was it was crack man i was hooked (laughs) and um it's uh that that's that's where it all really started for me you know um I was uh, I'm two years behind you, so twelve two ninety five, New Haven Coliseum was my was first there? show where there was a uh, a fought where you know uh, it, there was a, a the second set went two thousand one maze simple fought tweezer a day in the life Golgi squirming coil twee prize and everyone says that's probably one of the best tweezers um, of all time uh, that to me was I mean that moment walking out of there. Um, there's certain moments in our life where, you know, when you first fall in love and you kind of go, I really can't remember what life was like before this person was in my life. And for me, it was doing stand up comedy, walking off stage after the first set and being like, okay, things are going to be different now. And that's exactly the feeling I felt like you mentioned, you got, you know, you left that venue and you're like, I need more. I need all of it. I want to. I want to just digest everything that I possibly can about this band. And let's pay our respects to the New Haven Coliseum. Oh, rest in peace. May she rest in peace. My first ever, what? my first ever concert, Bon Jovi and Skid Row was there. What a beautiful shithole that place oh, was. Such With a beautiful big, shithole. Big stands on the side and like small stands on the end. And I tell you, when I went to Connecticut, uh, a few weeks ago at, at uh, Mohegan Sun, yeah. when I walked into that arena, there was literally a smell to the arena that was so familiar that I, I felt like I hadn't smelt in a while. And I don't know, it's probably a mix of weed and patchouli and hippie sweat, but I feel like the new arenas, I don't know, they like, they found a way to like, uh, 
they have better airflow or something. <laughs> but the second I walked into that that little arena in Connecticut, it brought me back, and it brought me back to a place like New Haven, which wasn't that far away. And I I saw fish in a lot of those places in in Binghamton and. Um, you know, these Worcester minor league hockey arenas. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the American hockey. I'm a big hockey guy. So, you know, getting to see all the American Hockey League arenas for fish was really fun. And um, it just, like, that's a little bit of, of a lost part of the fish experience of going to these mid-sized cities where you basically take over the city and, um, you know, are in the not fanciest place. And Bangor this summer had that feel also. Yep. I actually saw fish in Bangor in 1993 at the basketball court there. Wow. Um, uh, a similarly not fancy place. And uh, hmm. so I, it's great that fish is kind of, that was a great thing about this tour is it wasn't all the same old and getting to go to Bangor and getting to go to, to Mohegan Sun was just, it really kept it very alive for me. Yeah. And, um, and then it was also great to see them again at, at Bonnaroo, which I was at. Yeah. So you know, so vital right now. It really is. And and one of the one of the questions that I wanted to ask you because we've been doing it about the same time. You know, um, a lot of people ask me this question, and it's one of the questions that I'm trying to seek out the answer to while doing this project. Is that why do you keep going back? Haven't you seen enough of this band? And I and I I have. I have trouble. That's a dumb question. It's a terribly dumb <laughs> question, and I'm and I'm. It's very stupid. But I, you know, like these are people who will shit on fish, but step over their sick grandmother to watch a UFC fight, or you know, to not miss an episode of Game of Thrones. And I'm like, don't you realize this is my Game of Thrones? Like, don't you realize this is? And and I guess what I'd like to ask you, because I've been asking a couple people this, is that like that feeling that you had when you left your first show. When you go to shows now, 26 years later, 27 years later, um, are you still feeling that feeling? Is it something you're chasing? Is it something that you can tap into while the band's on stage? Do you know what I mean well, by that? It, it, it doesn't come every time by any means. And um, in a way, you are chasing it. Um, there's no love like your first love in that those first moments. But I, I definitely, this summer in particular, I felt little hints of that. I, I went to Bangor, and I had a really great experience at Bangor. I, I, my family has a summer house about an hour away, and I took all my lake house friends, some of whom had seen fish before, some of whom hadn't. Um, the best and smartest way for us to get there and safest way was a limousine. We were the only limousine in the parking lot of Bangor. I can only imagine. Yeah, picked us up at the lake house. Um, we uh, we had awesome time on the way there and got there. And man, it was the first night of Bangor, and that show blew me away. And it was a beautiful show, and and um, it really it, I loved the set list of that show and so many of my favorite songs. And I walked out of there and and I I downloaded the show and I listened to it again and again for weeks. And that doesn't always happen for me, and it definitely happened this summer. And then um, going to see the trade doc last week, I, ever since then, I can't stop listening to Ghost of the Forest. Me I too. I have a new appreciation. And me too. It's And those songs are great, man. Like Some people liked them, some people didn't, but I, I, it didn't take a 38-minute Ruby Waves for me to like that song. No. Yeah, that's a really good song. and they played some of them in, in Connecticut and um, 
I, you know, I think they're they're going to really live on as very strong fish songs for a long time, just like a lot of the Trey Band songs have. Yeah, I, I personally, and, I think that that Ruby Waves when I first heard it, um, it reminded me of a mid '90s Down with Disease, where it can really venture into some pretty interesting spaces. And I was excited, and I kind of was waiting to hear them open it up and I saw it in Merriweather and I saw it in uh, Fenway I believe or Camden I can't remember which and then at Mohegan and I was ready for you know and and, and it's only about to run is another one that's just I mean reminds me of Band of Gypsies yeah and it was cool in the movie when he talked about wanting it to sound scary yeah and and it's like yeah I mean Trey you know how to sound scary at times (laughs) It's not always a sound he goes to because it's a little raw and dirtier than his typical guitar sound, um, which is so uplifting. And just seeing that range and hearing him talk about it and uh, and really knowing, I mean, the lyrics to all those songs are very powerful. And then to see the movie and see the person that they're about and really feel that arc and, and feel the loss of that person. You're, you're that much more connected with those songs. And I know there are a lot of opinions about this, and there are people who want don't want to hear that side of Trey and don't want to hear the pain and don't want to, um, you know, be on that part of the journey. And to me, like, you know, this is something we're all going to go through in one way or another, uh, whether it's a parent or a, a friend. And, you know, as Trey experiences the harder things in life, Maybe we're all that much more prepared for these things, and uh, or maybe it's just great music to some people. But I, I for one, really embrace this and have been really enjoying that album and um, really enjoyed the movie. Yeah, me too. And I, I just think this is a great time to be a fish fan. It really is a great time to be a fish fan, and it seems like it's a great time to be fish. It seems like they're having such a blast, and you know, I, one of the parts of the movie that really got me emotional was when Trey's father said, you know, I was proud of you before I even needed a reason to be. And, uh, it was really amazing to, you know, you kind of wonder, we look back on the grateful dead and you know, what is fish now four years older than the dead ever were, I think. Right. And, uh, they made it 30 years and we don't know what the, the, the autumn and winter of Garcia would have been. You know, so, I mean, I think we need to be happy that we have this band that's seeking out every opportunity to give us these moments that we chase. Oh, yeah. And there was one moment in the movie where um, Trey's wife, Sue, said something about, I was afraid when I got the call, I was afraid this is it. Trey, we've lost Trey. Yes. And, and, And you just had that moment where you think about, what life for all of us would be like now, it would be completely different had that thing happened. And we're, you know, just, he's so lucky and we're so lucky. And, um, you know, you look at the grateful dead and I think that obviously, you know, we, 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 we lost Jerry and, um, we've, um, we've still had a very good run in the last, uh, you know, over basically 25 years. Uh, without Jerry, I um, and and that you know has been very meaningful for me and very meaningful for Headcount. And I was at a, a Dead and Company show this summer, and uh, next to me was Mountain Girl, uh, Jerry's yeah. uh, wife and Ken Kesey's wife. Yeah. And on the other side was Pete Shapiro, 
who is now the chair of the headcount board. And Mountain Girl was so into the Dead and Company show, she was all about it. She was like all about drums and space. It was absolutely beautiful. Oh, that's, a beautiful moment. That's amazing. I, yeah, and to feel her energy and her positivity. And I turned to Pete and I said, we, we're so lucky. We have this front row seat for the the happy ending of the dead story i don't mean that as a joke Uh, a real happy ending and uh you know we're 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 both we both felt really lucky to be there next to mountain girl and feel her energy and to see that i think the guys in the grateful dead are also living their best lives right now yep and clearly the guys in fish are and um and what a what a just what a privilege, man, to be a part of this and to see it all firsthand and to get to go to these shows. I mean, the fish and dead tours being on top of each other. Uh, I was I kept saying I'm on a jam band bender. Yeah, totally. And just just seeing, I didn't see that many shows. I saw six of each, but they were on top of each other. So basically, I spent three four weeks just going from fish to dead shows and <laughs> the uh, feeling very young again and. It was awesome. Yeah. I, I've just had such a great summer, and um, times are really good for headcount, and times are really good for our music. And you know, I, I and I believe that times in our country, I, I, I think, out of things like what we're experiencing now, it's very painful to watch the the differences that we have as a country and know that we are so divided. Yeah, but. I really, I'm still an optimist. I believe that one, there are a lot of good things happening. We are, you know, we are we are not at war in the way that we were before. Um, our economy is strong, and people are finding work, and um, there are changes happening in the world that are very, very positive. And you know, we we had count launched the cannabis voter project, and. We're seeing cannabis legalization sweep the country in a whole different way to think and talk about social justice around cannabis and expunging people's records. So I'm an optimist. I, I do believe that good things are happening in this world. And I believe that in the end, the American experiment always wins and we get better. We, we go, we, it's in stops and starts, but we do go forward more than we go backwards. Yeah. And our music is just, man, it's just the perfect soundtrack for all of this. And whether it's Fish or The Dead or up-and-coming bands, like, we're we're blessed. And we can now listen to millions of hours of music for free on our phones. And we just got to stop sometimes and say, hey, this isn't bad. We, we got it pretty good. <laughs> That's so true. Adios, amigos!